0: Uh, Well, what's up, CA students? It's good to be with you guys. My name's Levi, for those of you that I haven't had the pleasure of meeting yet. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and uh, yeah, it's awesome. I enjoy it. Uh, I'm just so excited to be with you guys, and I'm really excited about this part of program. If you've been around CA students, uh, you know kind of what we do. If you're new, we spend a little bit of our time every week going into God's Word, and we do that because we believe that God's Word is literally God's words to us. And that when we encounter God's word and we submit ourselves to it, we experience an encounter with God, we hear his voice, and we leave transformed people. And that's kind of what we're all about. And so that's why we are always sure to make sure we have time to look at God's word every time we're together. This week, we find ourselves in a series called Culture Shift. Say Culture Shift. shift. Mm. Here's the thing. Following Jesus isn't just about trying to sin less, right? Following Jesus is all about experiencing a transforming love relationship with Jesus. It's really—it's not just about trying to do the right things. It's really through a relationship with Jesus, we become the right kinds of people, right? And, and then our actions, our words, and our attitudes all go to shape the culture that we're in. Every room has a feel, you know what I mean? Like if you walk into a classroom, there's a certain feel. If you walk into a locker room, there's a different stinkier feel. If you walk into a church room, there's a different feel, right? Part of that feel is the culture that we're talking about. It's how the people in that room talk, act, how they feel about things. And so here at CA Students, we want to facilitate and develop, cultivate a culture of heaven, what, what it's like where God is, that's what we want it to be like here. The things that God does, those are the things that we want to do. The, thing, the kind of things that God says, those are the things we want to say, right? And as we do that together, we shift the culture to match a culture of heaven. And so the past few weeks, we've talked about having a culture of faith, Believing not just that God can, but believing that God does and that God will in our situations. Last week, Heather blew it up, talking about the culture of the unoffendable heart, right? People, people uh, have the ability to say things to you, but it's your choice of whether or not you're going to pick up offense at what they say. You are actually the one in power in that situation because of what Jesus has done for you, right? And so... Tonight, I'm so excited. We're going to talk about the culture of joyful repentance. Whoa. Hi. hi. Now, here's the thing. Some of you, if you've been in church a while, you're like, hey, I think I know one of those words or maybe two, (laughs) right? Here's the thing. You don't always hear joyful and repentance go together, right? Sometimes when you get the picture of repentance in your mind, it's like, I need to confess my sins and weep and like... (laughs) Go lay down and cry somewhere, right? The Bible does say that godly sorrow leads to repentance, but tonight we want to talk about joyful repentance, what repentance really means and why it's awesome. And to start getting us there, I need to ask Does anyone else love Gatorade? I love Gatorade. Oh. It's so good. You know, Olivia just asked me, "Do I really love Gatorade?" And see his students. I don't know if you get it. I really love Gatorade. <laughs> Praise God. No, I have Gatorade burps. Mm. Wow. I love Gatorade. I don't love Gatorade that much. Uh, <laughs> I love Gatorade. I love all kinds of Gatorade. I was telling Jake this, and he's like, Levi, do you even love the orange one? I even love the orange Gatorade. I know. It's so good. I love all kinds of Gatorade. And here's the thing. Ooh, i got Gatorade burps. When I was in high school, I learned that Gatorade can hydrate you even better than water. And I thought to myself, it hydrates you better than water, and it tastes better than water. I will only drink Gatorade, <laughs> and I will be the most hydrated man <laughs> there has ever been. Right? And so I drank a lot of Gatorade, and it was awesome. right? I really loved it. It was sugary sweet, and I was the best. I was getting hydrated better than water. And then, I realized, I learned a terrible truth. Gatorade only hydrates you better than water if you've been working out strenuously for more than an hour. Now, your boy works out, but strenuously for more than an hour, not as often as he was drinking Gatorade, right? (laughs) On top of that, Gatorade has lots of this thing that we call sugar. Have you heard of diabetes? (laughs) Have you heard of heart disease, (laughs) right? Like, sugar, is bad for you, and Gatorade has a lot of it, right? And so not only was I not getting hydrated better than water would, because I wasn't working out as hard as is required for that, but also I was getting loaded with sugar. And I discovered that this thing that I really enjoyed, that I thought was good for me, was actually not so good for me. This thing that I I was having so much enjoyment with, right, this thing that I couldn't wait to do, I discovered... That it was actually her harming me, right? It was actually taking me somewhere that I didn't want to go, right? And see, students, I just want to lob that out there. What if sometimes there are some things in our life that we initially thought were good for us, that we initially thought we enjoyed, but then maybe we come to a place of discovering maybe actually they're harming us? Maybe actually they're not that good for us. And see, students, I have to be honest with you, I still love Gatorade. I really enjoyed drinking two of them right now. <laughs> but, and, and there's this reality that sometimes, even though there are these things that we've experienced, even though they're somewhat enjoyable, they actually harm us, sometimes, and I include myself in this, sometimes I find myself still going back to it. Yeah. Right? And, and, and I think there's more than one parallel to following Jesus and what this means. Right? Tonight, we're going to talk about joyful repentance and what that means and how can we experience that in our lives. And But before we do it, would you guys pray with me? Because I really believe that when we pray, God meets us in a special way. And so let's ask that he speaks to us through his word tonight. Lord Jesus, you're so good. I pray right now that as we come to your word, that your Holy Spirit would make it come alive to us, that you would show yourself to us in a newer and a deeper way than we've ever experienced before. Would you open our spiritual eyes to see things we've never seen before, to experience you more deeply? And God, at the end of the day, would you give us the boldness to follow you with more of all of our hearts? I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. CA students, can I tell you, I'm not the first one to tell you, but I want to tell you, God has a remarkable purpose for your life. God has a remarkable purpose for your life. And if you've been around CA students at all, or the church at all, you've probably heard that before. You're like, yeah, cool, old news. No, no. God has a remarkable purpose for your life. First of all, you're invited to receive all the gifts of the gospel, right? Freedom and forgiveness of sin, intimacy with God, joy, hope, peace, purpose like you've never known. You are welcome to the gifts of the gospel, But not only that, you're also welcome to join the mission of the gospel, right? Like, you know, Jesus started something when he came to earth, and and his plan, his design was for us to continue what he was doing, that we actually participate in the same mission of our God, the mission of bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. Why do we want a culture shift to the culture of heaven? Well, maybe it's because we want to join Jesus in his mission of bringing heaven to earth. That's what we're all about. And so God has an incredible purpose in your life, to receive the gifts of the gospel, to step into the mission of the gospel, right? And so here's the thing. There's, there's this thing called sin that sucks, and it's a part of every one of our lives, right? An easy, quick way I like to define sin, it's S-I-N, selfish, independent nature, right? It's, it's things that I want, I'm going to protect, provide for, and take care of myself no matter what it costs someone else, right? And and can I tell you that this sin, this selfish thing, it's the genesis, (laughs) it's the beginning of every sin and injustice in this world. You see murder, you see theft, you see racism, it all comes from someone saying, I'm going to protect and provide for myself no matter what it costs someone else. That's what it is. And the the Bible teaches us that everyone has sinned. And worse than that, everyone is a slave to sin. So it's not like you can just try to do it less. That's not going to be good enough, right? And so here's the great news, that Jesus has made a way through his life, death, and resurre- resurrection to cleanse us of our sin and to free us from its control. And then what we get to do is this fancy word called repentance, right? What it is, is when you're walking this way, you go like this. And you walk this way. <laughs> That's what repentance is, right? Like, I'm walking one way with my life. I'm talking a certain way. I'm doing certain things. I'm thinking, believing certain ways. And then actually, I'm going to stop going that direction. I'm going to turn around and go this way instead. That's what repentance is. And so the first point on your paper, you can write this down if you're taking notes. Repentance is walking away from death towards life. Repentance is walking away from death and towards life. It's not enough to think repentance is walking away from sin. It is But we need to remember what sin does. A lot of us think like, oh, yeah, because of sin, uh, if you read the Bible, you've been to church, you're like, yeah, because of sin, we deserve to die, right? The penalty of sin is death. And that's true. But hear this. Sin doesn't just deserve death. It delivers death. Sin doesn't just deserve death. It delivers death. Whenever people exercise their selfish independent nature doing things for themselves at the cost of others it brings death into the world in other people's lives and ultimately for yourself so humanity was trapped in this sin deserving and delivering death but then god in his grace provides a way for us to repent to turn around and say, I'm no longer going to walk this way, deserving and delivering death. I'm going to walk this way, and because of the redemption of God, I'm going to deserve and deliver life. That's the invitation of the gospel in our lives. Here's the thing we have to remember. The essence of salvation is freedom. The essence of salvation is freedom. To be saved by Jesus The the most foundational thing about it is it means that you are now free. I love Romans chapter 6, verse 16. It says, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. You see, God did this amazing work. If you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he breaks off the chains of sin that were holding you, and you are no longer a slave to sin. So now it's up to your choice. Are you going to continue to walk in sin, delivering and deserving death, or are you going to repent, turn around, walk the other direction, deserve and deliver life? Because here's the thing. We need to remember that we're not in this world just by ourselves, but we're in this world with an enemy. Can we go to John 10.10? This is Jesus speaking, and he says, The thief, uh, other places we'll call it the devil or Satan, he comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. We need to remember that there is this enemy in our lives pushing us toward trying to steal, kill, and destroy our lives. There is an enemy at work trying to encourage us to continue to deliver death everywhere we go. However, if you go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, the enemy comes to steal, but the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Right? So the devil may have been at work trying to destroy, but the Son of God, Jesus came, he's like, hmm, that's not my thing. I'm going to destroy what you did to save my people. Right, And so the Son of God, Jesus, he came and he made a way for us to walk with God, for our sin to be forgiven, for us to join his mission. Here's the thing. I see some people, and sometimes I include myself in this, in this scenario, where you, you've experienced Jesus and you've repented and you've turned around and you've started walking towards God. But then along the way it got hard. Along the way you got tempted. Along the way, you experience something and you kind of repent it again. Back towards death. Back towards this, back towards sin, back towards the selfish, independent nature. It's kind of like how I still like Gatorade. Right? I know it's not good for me. I know it's not something that I can drink, but there are times when I still want it, to be honest. And and it's it's so hard for me sometimes, even amongst Christians, people can talk about their old lives before they were with Christ, and they talk as if those were the good old days, right? Like, man, I used to go to these parties. I used to do these drugs. I used to drink this alcohol. I used to get with these people, and they talk about it as though, man, yeah, following Jesus is all right, but I wish I could do those things again, right? And, th- and there's this kind of this way of thinking that's backwards, that's like, I, I-, I wish I could do some of those old things again, But CA students, we need to remember that those things are leading to delivering death everywhere we go, right? And so repentance is walking away from death towards life. The second main point is that joyful repentance is believing that you're being saved, not enslaved. Joyful repentance is believing that you are being saved, not enslaved, right, that following Jesus is actually being delivered from slavery. It's being led towards true life. It's saying yes to the abundant life that's only found in Jesus. And those things that tempt us every once in a while, we need to have gospel sanity. And remember that those things only ever lead to death, and Jesus only ever leads to life. And that's what makes repentance joyful. Now instead of being like, oh man, I don't get to do those things anymore, it's, oh, hallelujah. I am free from those things. I'm not gonna walk away. I'm gonna run away from that old life. It's not sad. It's a party. I'm leaving that behind. I get to run towards my God this way. That's what joyful repentance is. We must remember that following Jesus is not primarily a no to the really fun parts of life. It's a no to the things that steal, kill, and destroy. It's an even bigger yes to true life with God. The thing is, we need to keep in mind, what is it that we take up when we step into life with God? We take up the fruit of the Spirit, right? Do you want some love? Do you want joy? Do you want peace? Do you want patience? Do you want self-control? It's, a, it's an awesome list, right? Do you want these things? They're available in the Holy Spirit. Do you want boldness? That's available in the Holy Spirit. Do you want an actual purpose in life? That's available in the Holy Spirit. I have a mission to live. I have a king to follow. I have a family to join. I have a world to save with my God. These are the things that we take up when we step into new life with Christ. Here's the thing. If you're miserable in your walk with God, you've probably put down your old life, but you haven't taken up the new life yet. It's like you've made it to the restaurant, but you haven't ordered any food. You made it into Disneyland, but you haven't gone on any rides. In in other words, you've repented, but you haven't walked that way. You're just standing with your back towards this way. You need to not just turn around, but you need to run towards Jesus to take up every bit of life with him. Following Jesus is a much bigger yes than it is a no, right? Right? And we need to remember that Jesus enables us to live this way, right? It's not that we just have to uh, try harder and get able to do it, right? Jesus enables us to live this way. And there, there are parts of our lives that we are still bringing under the lordship of Christ, right? I like to think of it as a house. When you say yes to Jesus, the house belongs to God. But sometimes you need to go room by room and say, yeah, you can have this room too, Yeah, you can have this room too. Yeah, you can have the room of my social media. Yeah, you can have the room of my school friends. Yeah, you can have the room of what I listen to and watch when no one else is looking. Yeah, you can have this room too. You can have this room. And we need to bring every part of our lives toward Jesus. Why? It's not so that we don't get to have any fun anymore. It's so that we can step into real fun and real abundance and real life and purpose with our God. We, uh, the circuit riders are coming in just a few weeks and they're awesome. Encourage you guys to come and to bring all your friends. It's going to be a powerful night of experiencing God, but they have this, um, this little tool that's really helpful to practice walking in joyful repentance. And they're called the four R's, the four R's. You guys ready? The first R, we've talked about it already. Repent. (laughs) Repentanle. I don't know if that's how you say it, but repent, right? The four R's. The first one is repent. Let's look at Acts 3.19. Acts 3.19. He says, this is Peter preaching. He says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Does anyone feel tired and needs some refreshing from our one true God? It comes through repentance. You see, when Jesus is inside of you, he starts changing everything, Right? but we gave him permission to, right? You're like, no, you're the Lord of my life. I want all of me to reflect what it means to follow you. He's going everywhere. And if he discovers something from your past life, a room that hasn't been opened yet, something that's still delivering and deserving death, he's gonna put his finger on it. And because he's a kind and loving savior, he's gonna point out and say like, you need to break up with this, right? It's not because he's vengeful. It's not because he's trying to catch you. It's because he's kind, and he loves you, and he doesn't want any part of you to be dying. He wants every part of you to be free, right? So he'll put his finger on it and say, this needs to change. Uh, I love Second Corinthians uh, chapter 7, verses 9 through 10. It says, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, right? And so wh- what we can experience is that when we say, when we say sorry, we're so, we're so, I'm so sorry, God, for ever having done that. That sorrow doesn't end in sadness, it ends in joy because it leads to repentance. That's only available in Christ. I love this next verse. Matthew chapter 11, verse tw- uh, 28 through 30. Some people have a life verse. I call this my wife verse because, because this verse is very precious to Kayla and I, my wife. But also, uh, she's in the cry room with our baby, Glory. Kayla, you live this so well. You, you are... You're so good at living in the rest of our God. But Jesus is speaking, and he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Is that the kind of life you want, CA students? That's the kind of life I want, to live a life not heavy, not striving to be good enough, not trying to save myself but knowing that I can take Jesus' way of life upon me. It's not a heavy burden. It's a light burden. It's not about being talked into breaking up. It's joyfully saying, ha, I'm done with that way of life. I don't want what it does to me anymore. I need to say goodbye to it, right? You're not going to a funeral. You're going to a party when you repent. How, How... just imagine how our group would look and sound differently if we really actually believed that when we repent, we're being saved, not enslaved, right? That it really is the best kind of life that God is leading us to. So the first R is repent. The second R is receive. The second R is receive. It's the E before I. It's tricky spelling. Let's, let's look at 1 John chapter 1. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We turn around from our sin. We turn around from these lies the enemy tries to stick on us. And we say, I need to reject the lie and I need to receive the truth. What's the truth in this situation? The truth is that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and he's going to forgive you and cleanse everything. Cleanse everything, all unrighteousness. Not some of it, not half of it, all unrighteousness. That's what's true of you if you're in Christ. That's what's true of me, because I'm in Christ. All unrighteousness has been cleansed. Ask God to fill you afresh with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that speaks these truths to you. He's the one that after you've read Scripture, he's the one that brings Scripture to mind and applies it to our lives. Receive all the truths of who you are in Jesus. If you are in Jesus, you're no longer a spiritual orphan. You're a son or daughter of the Most High God. You're not defined by your sin. You're defined by Jesus' righteousness. You don't have a purposeless life. You get to join the God of the universe in his mission to save the world. So many things are true of you. When you step into life with Jesus, are you going to choose to receive that in opposition to the lies that you may be receiving? The first R, repent. The second R, receive. The third R, rebuke. That's Bible for heck no, right? Repent, receive, rebuke. Bible for heck no. I mean that. It's a rebuke is like a correction. It's nope. Not in my house. That's a rebuke, <laughs> right? That's what I think of when I think of a rebuke. Here's the thing. When, when, when we are drawn towards sin, when we're tempted, or when we're drawn to believe a lie from the enemy, we have the choice to say, I'm not gonna take this anymore because Jesus doesn't want me to take it anymore. We have a choice to say, through Jesus' strength and his name, the enemy doesn't get to accuse me anymore. He doesn't get to have a say in my life. I don't need to live in that lie anymore. I love the story when Jesus is having this, like, verbal boxing match with the devil in Matthew chapter 4, verse 10. Jesus says to Satan, get away from me, Satan, for it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Listen, we follow Jesus, we do the things Jesus did. That's how Jesus dealt with the devil. He says, get out of here with confidence and authority that that's what's going to happen because Jesus has the authority and he gives it to us. What, what else? James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and what? Say it. That was weak. Resist the devil and what? Yeah. Yeah. CA students, you must believe that. You must believe that, that when we submit ourselves to God, what we're doing is we're bringing ourselves under his authority, which, guess what, is greater than the devil's authority. And so then we become, we're in this force field, we're protected, and we can tell the devil to leave. And he will. He will flee from you. You can rebuke, send those lies back where they came from. Send that temptation back where it came from. CA students, i got to be honest with you. I want to see more fight in you. I want to see more fight in CA students. Here's the thing. So often we rebel against what is good instead of rebelling against what is bad right? From the beginning, humankind has been rebelling against God ever since. Teenagers have been rebelling against their parents, right? Here's the thing. God loves you, wants the best for you. Your parents love you, want the best for you, right? Those are not the people to rebel against. Who do we rebel against? How about the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy? So often I hear on the internet and things never from you, maybe sometimes, like, don't tell me how to live my life, Why do we say that to God who wants good for us instead of saying it to the devil that wants to destroy us? We need to change the object of our defiance, right? We need to say, devil, you think you can tell me how to live? I said no to that. I crucified that. Get away from me. I want to see some fight in CA students, some rebuking, some not in my house, because my house is the Lord's house. My body's a temple of the Holy Spirit, not in my house. Come on. Let's have some fight, CA students. Don't tell me how to live my life, devil. You don't have the authority because I'm under the authority of my God. Repent, receive, rebuke, and the last R is replace. Repent, receive, rebuke replace. We need to replace these lies, replace these temptations with the truth of God's word because that's the truth of the universe. Let's see what Galatians 2 20 says. It says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I know live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you hear that, CA students? There is a God living inside of you. You don't have to bow to the whims of your enemy anymore. You don't have to bow to your temptations anymore. You can stand up and say, no, I'm going to live the way my God has told me to live. I can do that. And I'm going to replace these lies with the truth of God's word. Uh, I, there's this idea of walking in the opposite spirit. So let's say, let's say the enemy is lying to you, trying to convince you that you're afraid. You, you're not, you, not going to do that. There's no way. That's terrifying right and these lies these accusations come all over you what i want you to do is i want you to rebuke that little lie and then replace it with the truth from first timothy Let's see it. God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. So instead of walking the path of fear, I'm going to walk in the opposite spirit. I'm going to walk in a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Why? Because that's what's true about me. That's what the God of the universe has spoken over me. When you are feeling tempted to walk into a spirit of lust, you walk in the opposite spirit of true love and service. When you're tempted to walk in a spirit of rebellion to what's good, to good authorities, you walk in the opposite spirit of service, of submission to those good things. And how about you also walk in rebellion to what's evil? Because you can also do that. We, We want to repent, receive, rebuke, and replace. We repent from the lie, from the action that we were living. We receive the truth of what God has to say. We rebuke, we tell the devil to get out in every lie that he has. And then we replace that with the truth of God's word and walk in that spirit. Aiden, if you want to join me, we're going to wrap up in a second. CA students, I'm begging you, let's make this our culture. When, when, when people talk about, when we talk about, like, yeah. The, the glorious freedom of walking in Christ is that you get to say no, you get to have this very narrow view of, let's say, sexuality, right? There, there is a defined right answer. Some people are like, oh, that's so restricting, that's not real freedom, right? Well, remember, sometimes when you, when you uh, walk into a narrow path, you discover that it's actually very deep, right? That it's not just uh, the circumference that we see, but there's depth, behind it. There's depth under it that we get to walk into. And so now I'm going to believe that what God has said is actually true. And instead of being bummed out and talking about it, saying like, ah, oh, got to do that, or ah, oh, got to live this way. Instead, we can say, no, I'm going to leave that behind. Why? because that was gonna kill me anyway. I'm gonna walk this way towards Jesus, towards true life, and I'm gonna be happy about it. CA students, we can shape this kind of culture. We can do this. The way we talk, the way we act, the attitudes that we hold shape the culture of CA students. Let's walk this out. If God convicts you, if he puts his finger on something that's from your old life, it's not time to get all sad and lay down and weep. It's time to throw a party because you're about to get free. Because repentance is walking away from death and walking towards life. And joyful repentance is believing that that means you're being saved, not enslaved. Our God only has good for us in store. Are we going to trust him and step out and believe that's true. Let me pray for us and then I'll explain the thing that we're going to do next. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you're such a good savior. You're so generous to us that we get to walk following you. Thank you that you have given us the opportunity to repent. Repenting wasn't even possible before you paid with your life. But now it is. We thank you for that, Jesus. We thank you that there is so much abundant truth for us to receive about who we are in you. We are your sons and daughters, precious in your sight. Thank you that you have given us the authority to rebuke the lies of the enemy, that the enemy's lies has, have no more authority over us because we are under your authority, which is greater. God, I thank you that we are able to replace those lies with truth. God, I pray for courage and boldness to walk in the opposite spirit, to believe that we actually are able to say yes to the life that you have made possible. Help us to shape the culture of CA students to be a culture of joyful repentance. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.